chapter 6 and verse 12 and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth and God said unto Noah the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth make thee an ark of gopher wood rooms thou shalt uh, rooms that shalt thou make in the ark shalt pitch it within and without pitch and this is the fashion which thou shalt make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in the, in the cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. 
And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is a breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. All right, again this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, we are approaching the study on Noah's Ark. We are about there. We backed up last week uh, because I wanted to lay some groundwork on the condition of the earth and mankind on the earth at this time. And that's important because God destroyed all of it. So it must have been pretty bad. A stench in his nostrils even. The sinfulness and the mindset of mankind that was evil only all the time, continually. The Bible tells us. But God always gives hope. And He does so in His Word. And we look at the significance of the meanings of the names uh, from Adam down to Noah. And I took so long writing it all up here that I went over it really fast, so... I'm kind of going to go over it really fast again. All right. We looked at Adam. and We said that it basically means man. He was the first man. We looked at his son, Seth. And his mother said that basically God had appointed Seth to take Abel's place, whom Cain had killed. So we see, just by looking at the meanings of the names and going through them in order, we see that man was appointed. Alright, what was man appointed to? Well, in the Garden of Eden, he walked perfectly in unison with God in the garden that God made for him and Eve. They dwelt happily there. They walked with God. I mean, there's there's no joy to compare that to, is there? No. But then, they sinned against God. The one stipulation that we have for them not to do in this wonderful garden of peace in which they lived was not to partake of the one particular fruit and that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that dwelt in the midst of the garden. And they did so. And I won't go through the curses. We have gone through them and studied them to uh, some degree. But God cursed the ground because of Adam's sin. He cursed the serpent 
because of his participation in deceiving Eve that she would sin against God. The earth was cursed now so that thorns and thistles took over. And I believe at this time before the flood, they really took over. I think it was close to impossible to grow food even. It was really by the sweat of the brow of a man that food was grown and a livelihood uh, procured, if you will. All right. Man was appointed, or he was driven out of the garden. He was appointed to live this fallen life now separated from God. He was appointed to be separated from God, wasn't he? He was. Driven out from the garden. Flaming swords to keep them from coming back to protect the tree of life. All right. This condition was incurable. Adam, man, Seth, appointed, Enos, incurable. They were hopeless, weren't they? Unless they looked to God and saw that he had pointed an innocent, perfect person <coughs> to live and die for their soul. He alluded to it in the Garden of Eden when he covered their self-righteousness or their, uh, their attempt, let's say, to cover their nakedness. They didn't know they were naked until they had gained the knowledge that they gained when they partook of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Suddenly they realized it. They, to some point, were separated from God in their mind then. Remember what they did? They ran and hid. They'd walked with God daily and lived by His instructions so happily, yet all of a sudden now they're not happy. They're afraid. They realize they're naked. Okay, so He clothed them. I said I was going to go over this fast, didn't I? I may not. So he clothed them with coats of skins that came from an animal. And we all know this, I know. But just want to lay down this groundwork so that we see what God is telling us in His Word. Alright? God alluded to the fact that an innocent being would give His life for the reconciliation of this situation, this incurable situation that man was appointed to by God when God drove him from the garden. Alright? We look at Kenan sorrow. Alright? Man has been appointed to mortal sorrow and it's incurable unless God intervenes. Mahalalil or Mahalel, Mahalel, however you want to say it. Well, Mahalel means blessed. We know El, as in El Shaddai. El is a is the name of God, right? So we see that man was appointed to an incurable sorrow, but the blessed God, Jared, 
means shall come down. Enoch means teaching or commencement. Methuselah, the oldest person that ever lived, the blessed God, what that name signifies. Lamech, despairing. And of course, Noah, we know that Noah's name means comfort or rest. So what we see here that God is showing us in them, in His Word, yes, man was appointed incurable sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching, teaching the blessed God shall comfort and give rest to those that are despairing. Does that line up to you? You see that? God's Word is incredible, isn't it? And it's the same story all the way through. Man is in an incurable condition because of Adam and Eve's uh, disobedience in the Garden of Eden. But God had already planned a way to reconcile them to Himself. And it's through Jesus Christ's Son. He had to come down and live a life because none of us, no man could do it. Everybody was prone to sin and born into sin, the Bible tells us. But Jesus came down, lived a perfect life, and was the perfect sacrifice for you. And He stood in your place on the cross of Calvary, which you and I both deserve to hang on ourselves. And God looked upon the earth, verse 12 in Genesis chapter 6, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted His way upon the earth. All but one man and one family. And God said unto Noah, so we know that Noah was blessed of God, that Noah walked with God, because God talked to him. He came to him and spoke to him. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. Did it surprise the Lord that mankind had gone so corrupt? Of course not. Of course not. God's plan was set from the beginning. It's a perfect plan. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. Verse 13, For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. This is a cleansing that God did. It's a purge, isn't it, of the corruption. He says in verse 14, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now notice this gopher wood. Most all the uh, people who are supposed to know what they're talking about say that this was some type of cypress, and that would certainly uh, represent an act of God if it was, because cypress is resistant 
to bugs, to worms, to rain and sun, the weather. And so it would make sense that it was this type of wood anyway, a resistant type of wood. God grew the trees. God directed Noah to the trees that he was going to use to build the ark. We don't realize how intimately in control God is, do we? But He is. Just a quick note because it came to mind. There's a song that Sister Rita Horn sings and it's called God Made the Tree that they hung Him on. You remember that? Very touching song. He made the tree. He's intimately in control, isn't He? He absolutely is. Gopher wood. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, this particular wood that God had designed and grew for this purpose. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and without. And this room, this word, I'm sorry, for rooms uh, means nest or a nesting place, a resting place, a particular place to be during this time of flood. I think that's significant because God has a place for every one of His creatures. He has a place for you. So God is being very particular in His salvation of His people. Eight souls. It's not some random idea or a knee-jerk reaction to what man had done on the earth. No, it was all planned perfectly. All planned perfectly. All right. So the nesting places, the rooms, they were built by God's direction. God was in control of the salvation of these eight souls. And He always had been. He wasn't taken by surprise. This was all in His plan to purge again or to cleanse the earth of this sinfulness that had taken over. It had taken over. All right. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. 14. Room shalt thou make or resting places or nests in the ark and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. That had never really sunk into me before that they pitched the inside of it too. I don't know why. I never had noticed that many times as I must have read it. But they pitched it inside and outside. Now I want us to to notice this word pitch. Uh, The word is kopher, K-O-P-H-E-R. I don't have room to write it, but that's what it is for pitch. And it was used to seal the ark inside and outside. Well, we see this pitch as the Holy Spirit of God. There's another place where this buried word, I don't know why, where is it at? Maybe in Leviticus. I didn't write that down. There's another place where this very word, except that instead of K-O, 
P-H-E-R, it's K-A. But translators say it's the same word. And it's uh, translated as atonement. Atonement. Covered. That's what the blood of Christ does, right? It covers us in, in God's sight. Atonement. I did look that scripture up, but I didn't write it down. All right. So we see that the ark is a refuge. It's a place of God's planning. A place of God's providence. We said that. A place of God's provision. We're going to see that God directs the size of these rooms, the number of these rooms, the levels that these rooms are on, the provisions. So we see that it's a place of God's provision and protection. It's a place of God's promise and presence. We're going to see that. God was in the ark with Noah and his family. And then we're going to see that the ark is a refuge and a place of power and peace. There was peace inside that ark. We have record of nothing dying or nothing being born. We don't know that it absolutely didn't happen, but we have no record of it. It was a place of peace. There was death and destruction outside of that ark. And anyone outside that ark was subject to it. They were going to die. Simple as that. God said everything that has the breath of life will perish. And they did. All right. Back to pitch. Again, we see pitch in God's Word as the Holy Spirit. Again, this word uh, was also used and translated as atonement. But I want us to notice that the ark was sealed inside and it was sealed outside with pitch, a particular uh, water-resistant glue, if you will, cement, asphalt, whatever it was. A lot of people uh, subject different things into what it actually consisted of but it was like a glue, a sealer is what it was. It was a sealer. And they sealed the ark inside. Again, I never had seen that before until recently. But the ark was completely sealed inside and then sealed outside. I want us to recognize and remember that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. We have that rest and comfort knowing that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Who can thwart His hand? None. We are in the powerful hand of God Almighty that created all things. We're sealed inside by the Holy Spirit of God. What does God do when He quickens us and He saves us? He puts His Spirit in us, right? Right. And He seals us, even from the inside. So even our natural corrupt selves can affect us. 
sealed on the inside. And then we're sealed on the outside. Nothing on the outside of Christ can touch us either. Sealed. So that nothing can penetrate and get to us. Same thing is true in our lives. It really is. When you stand on the rock of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your eternal life, you're saved, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Folks, it doesn't get any more comforting than that right there. You're sealed inside and out by the Holy Spirit of God. In Exodus, the second chapter, we see again the bloodline we see the enemy make an attempt to sever the bloodline again in the life of Moses. It had been prophesied a time uh, that a person of God would be born. And so the leader sent out and said, well, let's just kill everybody that age. Just kill all the baby boys. Kill them all. We'll change God's plan. And that's what he did. But Moses' mother made a basket for him. And guess what? It's called a table. I didn't mention it, but kofar also means box. So the ark wasn't really a ship that would sail around the world designed for that. No, it was designed to get these eight souls through the condemnation of God on the earth, this cleansing, this purging. Also means box, table. She made a basket and she put Moses in it. And what did she seal it with? Pitch. Pitch. See, none can penetrate through God's wall of defense. Nothing can. In any situation, even in our lives, nothing can penetrate God's mighty and powerful protection of His people. So what did this seal do? This pitch sealer on the ark? Well, it kept the waters of judgment out, didn't it? He did. He kept the waters of judgment out of the ark and God's people were protected. All right. And then the Lord gets into uh, the exact fashion, verse 15, in Genesis chapter 6, and this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. And He gives him exact dimensions to make it. God knew how many people they were. God knew exactly. God knew exactly how many animals that were going to come into the ark. And for some reason, I guess as a kid, I started thinking this, that Noah was out there doing what I was doing as a kid. He was trapping. Out there trapping animals and catching them and lassoing them and dragging them into the chutes. But I don't believe that's the case. No, I believe... The animals came voluntarily at God's calling, God's direction. They came. We're going to read that. 
All right. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. And I will get into these dimensions in, in English, uh, but probably not today. But a cubit was like from your elbow to the end of your hand. And all of the uh, scholars and historians say that basically that was 18 inches. So we can derive from the 18-inch cubit the exact size and feet uh, of the ark. We've been wanting to go up to the replica that they've built in Kentucky, and we just hadn't made it yet. But uh, I've always been intrigued. Of course, I like boats. But I've always been intrigued with the size of that thing. It was huge. But you can believe that it wasn't too big. It was the exact size. God, because God knows how many people are His, doesn't He? He knows. He knows us. A wonder shalt thou make to the ark, verse 16, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set on the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Notice that the door was in the side of the ark. There's an opening in the side. It was covered with pitch. That word kofar is also, as I've already pointed out two or three times, has also uh, been used and translated as anointed. Anointed. What are we anointed, anointed with? In God's eyes, we're anointed with the perfect blood of His Son. Remember, He didn't sin. They didn't break His bones. But what did they do? They shoved a spear in His side. And guess what came out? The Bible tells us blood and water. There was an opening in the side of the ark. I don't know how relevant that is. It just got in my mind that the door was in the side of the ark. We're going to see where when all of these animals came into the ark, and by the way, I'll just point this out for a second because it comes to mind. The Lord designated how many animals that Noah was going to bring into the ark. He knew already, but he told Noah. And he said so many of the clean beasts and so many of the unclean beasts, remember? How do you know that? How did Noah know? That hadn't been established at all over in Leviticus, remember? Moses is the one that told what beasts were clean and what beasts were unclean, remember? Uh, how would Noah know that? It's a long time before uh, Moses' day. And it was obvious to me that when Adam was naming all the animals and dictating 
the use of the animals. But God put him in charge of all of them, remember? I believe that was established then in the garden. That's the only way he could have known what, who were clean, what animals were clean and what animals were unclean. God is so in control, isn't he? God's plan is from everlasting. Time doesn't take him by surprise. The events that happen during time don't take him by surprise. He's God, the creator of all things, including you. Oh, this ark is a type of Jesus Christ. It's a type of Jesus Christ. I was going to say a while ago and I got sidetracked on the door. When they were all in there, it doesn't say that Noah used winches and ropes and closed the door. It doesn't even say that he had a way to close the door. But it says God shut them in. Isn't that a blessing? God has shut you in to Jesus Christ in the same manner. All the types and shadows of this account are so deep we'll never exhaust them. But hopefully, Lord willing, we will at least scratch the surface and see a sovereign God in control of every facet of man's life. He really is. And when it comes time, He will cleanse the earth again, won't He? Because these days and the last days, which I believe are the same, He's going to cleanse the earth again, isn't He? He is but then He's not going to allow sin back again. It's going to be over. We're going to be walking with Him on a new earth just as Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden without sin. What a Savior. Well, He just provides everything for us, doesn't He? He lifts us up when we need Him. I need Thee every hour, we sing. We need Him every breath, don't we? Oh, but He's here for us. He has promised to be with us. We're never alone. Wind gets concerned when I go out on my boat by myself. I'm not by myself. We're never alone. He's always with us. Great Savior.